in this series called Invited to Reach, and really it's kind of, we kind of stepped into it because we sense that God's continuing to ask us, is inviting us to pray for the impossible, to enjoin him and to inviting God and stepping in for God's good that he has for us and for all of humanity, for us to be able to experience it right now and to believe that, to believe that God has good for us that love will follow us all the days of our life. There's love in our future. That's what hope is. And the reality that God's, can, his good can break in at any moment. And to can, we're invited to ask for that, to reach for that, to participate in that. So that's, that's what we're asking. That's dangerous. And, um, and so this is the final one. And so I, there was a text that I want to sh- share within this. And I think there's like, as I was reading the text, I think there's like four different sort of characters within this text that we have something to learn as we continue to live out this life of reaching for God's good in the world. And so uh, let me invite, when I read the scriptures, I love this prayer. It's from Psalm 119, I think it's verse 18. And it says, oh God, open my eyes to the wonderful teachings of your word. It says, open my eyes to the revelation, right? Open my eyes to your wonderful revelation, to your wonderful law. And so that's what we pray, that God would open our eyes to his revelations, to his word, to what he illuminates upon us. So would, would you join me in inviting God to say, God, um, let us see. So Father, open our eyes to the wonderful revelation, to your revelation that you have for us today. We need you. And we want to be open to you and to what you're speaking to us, that we could hear it and that we could act on it. This we pray. Amen. So our series, Big Idea, is this, is that we've been invited to reach for God's promised future of healing, wholeness, and reconciliation to invade our present realities. Life is filled with tension because we sense this promised future in our hearts, and yet we don't dictate how, when, or where God moves. In this tension, we become disappointed, resentful, or even surprised. We may experience heartbreak, we may sense God's prompting, as you heard in the stories of, of Norm. We may be surprised that God even shows up. But we look for God's cues, and we will reach together towards God's promised future, his good promised future. That's been the overarching theme. Today's big idea was from this text. Well, I think I threw it up here. Yeah, here's the, the, this week's focus. We are looking for where Jesus has invited us to join him. But like Peter, we can ask, Lord, if this is you, invite me to come. We have been invited to reach more than we know. The encouragement is to keep Christ as the center focus amidst turbulent distractions. That's our, our focus. And in this text, it's Matthew 14, verses 22 to 36. Um, I, I believe there's something for us. And so I want to read this text out loud if you want to pull it up on your phone. I believe I'm using the NIV version that, that was copied here. Um, so if you want to read along, you certainly can. And may you too grab, you know, to, when I read, I'm, I'm looking for where God's grabbing my attention. Right? I have a friend, he says, hey, they're called retinal flares. It's sort of like, boom, something sticks out. And so let's read this together and, and allow God to even to meet you in this sort of public reading of the word. This is in Matthew 14, verses 22 to 36. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, other side of the lake, while he dismissed the crowd. 
After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, let me come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you're the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed They landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. With this text, you could read this text day in and day out, and I think that God would continue to want to speak to you um, in it, to want to form you by his scripture And so I'm hoping if there was something that stuck out to you, write it down and ask God why and what was going on there. But but I want to point out, as we want to step out into sort of reaching, kind of the four different characters. If we're going to be stepping out and reaching for what God is wanting to do in the world, I I think there is like four things that are principles in this text that are essential for us. Absolutely essential and in those part, I think there's four specific people that we can look at, or groups that we can look at to give us these cues. And the, the first one, if you're reading the scriptures and they're about Jesus, you always got to look at what he's doing, right? So Jesus is one of those characters we got to look at. And, and in the story, I mean, there's Peter and the documented text besides Jesus, the only person to ever walk on water, even a little bit, is this guy, Peter, right? So Peter's another person that we got to look at. And the other thing, if you read into the text and you see just different things that grab your attention, three times in that story, it references this natural element called the wind. And I think there's something incredible we've got to learn from the wind here. And the final bit of this story that I think that is meant for us and to read this story in its full context is the crowd. That if we're going to be invited to reach, we've got to look at the crowd and, and, and learn something from them. And so I think there's just principles that are all part of this and and we want to learn. What I love about this text here, about Jesus walking on the water, is that sandwiched between this first part of what we studied, I think it was like week um, two, with Jesus feeding the 5,000. That's exactly what happened just before this story. And we, we studied that. We looked at that text. And Jesus inviting his disciples to reach. You feed them. They multiplied this food. Now, they were really tired. But the one thing that happened just before... Uh, the feeding the 5,000 was something else that's really significant. John the Baptist was beheaded. That's Jesus' cousin. He was thrown into prison. Um, and, and Herod, who was the ruler of that area, had him beheaded because he was sleeping with his brother's wife. Yeah, and John the Baptist said, hey, that's not a good thing. See, Herod wanted the Jewish people to respect him and like him, but all of a sudden, he's in an open relationship with his brother's wife and sleeping with her, and John the Baptist was like, hey, that's really a bad idea. 
You know, it's not even all, it's not even all that surprising, right? But John was willing to say it to him. Herod liked John. And John called him out on, on this, this open ridiculousness that he was doing, saying, you, you can't do that. That's not good. Uh, and Herod was angry with him, and Herod's brother's wife, Herodias, she didn't like it either. And his daughter asked for John to be killed at a party. And Herod did it. And that word came to Jesus just before all this happened. His cousin, the forerunner, the prophet, who pointed to Jesus saying, you're the Messiah. And he, and he was, that weighed upon him, right? So that's where we are. Jesus sends the crowd away. And so the first part that we need to see in this text is about Jesus. And so Jesus, he dismisses this crowd. He does ministry to them because he loves them. He had compassion on them. That's what Nate taught him last week. He saw them and he had compassion on them. And then he dismisses them. And then what does he do? He goes up on the mountain by himself and he prays. He sends his disciples into a boat and they could take off to go to the other side of the lake, but he goes up into the mountain and he prays. Th- this is essential. If we're going to be any kind of people who are going to be stepping into and learning these principles and joining, Jesus modeled for us what dependency looks like on the Father. And if, and if Jesus modeled dependency, and if you read through the book of Matthew or of Luke, all the time, he's getting away and he's getting alone. Or he's taking three disciples with him onto a mountain and they're going to spend the time just praying. He was dependent on the Father. He got away, he got away with the Father, knowing that he, he needed the Father to speak into him about his own identity, about who he was, and about where he was going. He just needed to be present with the Father. He was dependent upon the Father. He goes off by himself again and again and again. And if Jesus is modeling, I mean, oh, the whole life of Jesus is something for us to imitate, but all through the scriptures is this pattern. Get away with the Father. Get away with the Father. Go off alone and pray. He's modeling a dependency. That he'd be dependent. That he could walk in that dependency everywhere he went. And we are just, if not more. So, how dependent are you? A key principle, a key pattern of our lives, if we're going to step into this invitation to reach, is know that our reaching is always anchored and based on our dependency on the Father. We are dependent on the Father. And so with that, in our overly busy lives, even though we have every modern technology that, that history, right, that, that time, right, right now, it, everything that supposedly makes life faster and better, we have it. And yet, the one thing we don't seem to have is time, right? That open space to be with the Father uninterrupted. May, may God, by his grace and his invitation, give us the intentionality to say yes to uninterrupted space with the Father, to do that with others, to go away for a, a weekend and just to sit quiet and allow God to speak over us. And if you've never done that, if, if you've never done that, and, and you want to attempt a 24-hour period of time, come, come let me know because I'm, I'm gonna, I would take you. I would do it. I, we'll set up on the calendar. This thing will be together, but, you know, right? But, we'll, but, 
come join me. And if you're interested in learning how to do that and you want to you find out how to do that, uh, let me know. We'll set up some weekends. We'll start just calendaring times just to be alone and quiet with God and discuss what that is. But if you know how to do that, may you be reminded that's, that's the central pattern for your life. And as you begin to plan and look at your calendar, may, may God give you different moments where you mark out time if it's just a day a month. And for me, that's the pattern I need. And maybe it's over the course of a year, I need an extended time. And uh, I don't just need that because I work at a church. I need that because I'm human. And so do you. So the first part, look at Jesus' life. Tons of stuff we can look at in there. He was dependent upon the Father, and so are you. The second person I want to look at here in this text is Peter. And here, here's Peter. I love this. Um, they're in this boat, and all of a sudden they see Jesus, and they think it's a ghost. And I, I think that's really funny, and they're really scared. One, because my son Harvest loves ghosts right now. Kind of love, hates ghosts because of Halloween. I don't know if any of your kids have like loved ghosts and always talk about ghosts. He loves ghosts and, and afraid of ghosts. And I tell them they're only pretend, you know, but the disciples think it's a ghost, right? You know I mean? So the same ghost stories that they were being told there, and they think it's a ghost. Um, and Jesus is like, no, it's me. And here's the most awesome thing. Here's Peter. He's an activist, and so activists in the room, be encouraged. This is beautiful. For those of you who you move, man, you move to action, God has blessed you with that. It's amazing. So here's Peter. Jesus says, it's me. I don't even know if they can even see him at that point. And here's what Peter says. If it's you, Lord, tell me to join you. Where'd that idea come from? That's crazy. Tell me to join you. And what does Jesus say? Yeah, Come. Come join me. Peter is the only one of the disciples to have that crazy idea, and he does it. Invite me to join you. And Jesus does not hesitate. Come. And what does Peter do? He does, and he steps on the water. No one has walked on the water more than Peter, who was human. Nobody other than Jesus. I love that question. I mean, this is the question of a disciple. Jesus, if it's you, invite me to come. Jesus, if you're in this, invite me. And I will go wherever you invite me. Have you ever, have you ever said that? Is that your prayer? See, that's, that's what a disciple is. Jesus said, hey, if you're going to be a disciple of mine, you're going to go wherever I go. So where I go, I'm inviting you to go. So Peter's saying, Lord, if that's you, if you're in this, invite me. How willing are you to go wherever Jesus invites you? Are you even looking for where Jesus is in this world and saying, Jesus, are you in this? Here's what the New Testament writers, and here's what Jesus said when he said about um, where he was in the world. I mean, this, is, this is one of those things that I'm ch- continually trying to learn and believe. Jesus said this, um, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And I'm everywhere in this world. I am to fill everything in this world. So there is not a nook or cranny or place in this world where Jesus is not. There's not a dark place where he is not, where he cannot go 
right? He, he's everywhere. So it's not an issue of him not sort of being there, but I do think it's an interesting question, Lord, invite me, invite me to go. But so I, I, I pray this at times, but sometimes I don't get the sense that I'm being invited, right? Because sometimes I'm really, I'm looking for like the lightning bolt because it's kind of scary. I was, I was eating with some friends. I went downtown to eat lunch at, at, at a place and all of a sudden I walk in and I see some, some old neighbors of mine who were in there eating and I got the food and they're like, oh, come eat with us. And I was like, amazing. No one invites me to eat with them. I don't know what it is. Like, I'm a sloppy eater or, um, or they are intimidated by my awkwardness or the way that I might stare at them and say nothing. I don't know what it is. But I don't, I don't get invited that often, right? Maybe it's something I need to talk to my therapist about or something. I don't know. But they invited me, right? So I, I sit with them. And we were neighbors, and so I, I knew of some of the scenario they're in. And um, they've got a son and a daughter, and their daughter's about the same age as Harvest. And we, and we love this family. And we got to connect with them a number of times in our neighborhood. But their son, when he turned three, he stopped speaking. And that's a terrifying thing to experience as a parent. But all of a sudden, you're, you know, you're, you're wanting your children to flourish. And all of a sudden, at three, he, he stopped. So he stopped speaking at three. He's six now. And they're doing anything and everything they can for him. He, he wasn't there when we were eating. He was uh, in a school program that he was a part of. But immediately when they mentioned their son, you know, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, are you, are you, you inviting me? I know he's in it, right? I, I know he loves them. I know he's present, but I'm like, oh, Lord, if you invite me, I'll come. Now, I didn't get a sense that he was or that he wasn't, right? Like, I, I didn't feel like the lightning bolt. But here's the thing that I think that God is trying to teach me. He was like, oh, no one invites you to sit with them. <laughs> and I, I invited you. They invited you to that table, and they welcome you. They welcome me because I'm in you. And so don't be afraid to, to bless them and to reach in their impossible situation because they are spending every dime, going to every doctor, doing all the best things you can do for their child, and he still isn't speaking, right? Parents, you've been there? Or a family been there when you've done everything and it's still not enough? And the impossible situations, right? I think God's inviting us way more than we realize. He's giving everything. He wants to give us permission. Permission to step out. See, Jesus, when he sent his disciples, when he rose from the dead, he said this to them, and he spoke over his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. I have it all. All authority is mine. So he told them, hey, I got this authority. Every bit of it. So here, I, I, I'm authorized, so I'm going to send you to go under my authority. The same thing he did earlier, go under my authority and make disciples. Of all nations, no one is excluded. Nobody. No race, no creed, no gender, nothing. 
and baptized them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This was not a religious rite that he was mentioning here. He was saying, immerse them into all the fullness of God. That the beauty of the triune God who was Father, who reveals his adopted love for us, who is Son in the person of Jesus, and it's the Spirit of God that breathes upon us and animates us and awakens us. It says, immerse them into all of it, to the fullness of God. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So when Jesus said to teach these disciples all the commands that I gave you, do you think possibly that when he said, hey, I have all authority, now I'm giving you some authority, go and do this, teach your disciples everything that I've commanded to you, do you think he meant this command in the same book of Matthew that says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8, when he said, go and announce to them the kingdom of heaven is near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you've received. Meaning that your godliness or your goodness did not, does not, it, it, that when God is moving in you it has nothing to do with your godliness or holiness. It has to do with the gift of God breathing upon you. So you think that when Jesus said, I have all authority, go and make disciples, teach him everything that I've taught you to do, that that included, go, proclaim the good news, heal the sick, cast out demons, cure lepers, proclaim this. Raise the hands, yes? No? Well, nobody was willing to say no out loud, right? No. Yes. Yes. Go and do. And we saw early disciples do that. So if we're going to do this part of this reach, it has to be, we say, Jesus, if you're in this, invite me. If you're in this, Jesus, invite me. And so... Here's the takeaway from Peter. We have an invitation to reach. As a Jesus follower, you've been invited. You've been invited. You've been invited to join with him in his work and what he's doing. The same spirit of God moving your hearts and your minds. You've been invited, not out of guilt, not out of duty, but out of just love and and, and joy. And and believe me, when I think about this family and that, that opportunity, I'm like, Lord, are you in this? Yeah, I, I think I missed an opportunity just to even to speak over them, right? And to proclaim God's love to them about his nearness. But it's not like uh, I'm in trouble for missing. I, I missed an opportunity. But here's the thing. I know where they live. <laughs> and they've invited me over. Right? You know, so it's like, you know what? God loves them. And so I can... I can go take caramel with me because then it won't be so weird and harvest. Because if it's just me, it's going to get weird, right, folks? So bring them because they're God's grace to me and you. And, and go and join in what God is wanting to do out of the good of this family. You have been invited more than you know. And so when you say, Lord, if you're in this, and I think it's a beautiful question, continue to ask that. But look for any any indication of the yes. Don't, don't need much. You know what? When I, when I was praying, God, are you in this? I should immediately thought, well, yeah, God, you are. They invited me to sit with them. Absolutely, you're in this. 
If your nose begins to itch, okay, God, that must be the yes, right? Don't wait for the lightning bolt. Whatever it is, move out of the love of God. We're invited more than you know, okay? That's two. Here's the third part. The wind. Man, all through this story is the wind. So it starts out, the disciples, they're in the boat, and what does it tell us about when they're trying to get their way across the other side of the lake? That the wind was buffeted against them. Blown against them. Boom, 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 right? So the wind is against them as they're trying to get across. Um, Jesus starts walking on the water. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, invite me to come. He steps out, and all of a sudden, what does Peter see that scares him? The wind. I, 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 I mean, the scripture brings it up, I, mean, I think it's meant to stop us. And then and at the end of the story, all of a sudden, they're, they're in the, they're, they do this. Uh, Peter sees the wind. He gets scared. Um, takes his eyes off Jesus. He begins to drown. He cries, oh, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately grabs him, or I don't know what he does, you know, right, how, how it is. And, but immediately, he grabs him and saves him. They get back into the boat, and what does the story say? The wind stopped. And so I, I have a thousand questions, right? And, and you too, to read the scriptures, we've got to see those things and think, wait, what is this? What is this thing? Now, again, the scriptures mention wind a lot, and a lot of times the wind is really good, right? It's in the reference for the spirit, the breath of God, the ruach hakadosh, the wind of God, the wind, and that's a good thing. But in this story, this isn't a, this isn't a good thing. The wind is buffeting them, and they see it, and they're afraid. But all of a sudden, when Jesus steps back in the boat, it's done. And so as I sat and I listened, and again, you can ask God, what's this about? And, and wrestle with these ideas. But here's the part that I think that we need to hear today, is that there is opposition. I mean, there, if we're thinking this invitation to reach is one without opposition, you know, pinch yourself, because you're dreaming. And we need to be woken up that what we're talking about is not just this like nice game or nice life of the good stuff that we're talking about. No, we're talking about opposition in this world where there's enemies, where there's forces that do not want good for you or your neighbors, the people you love, for the poor, for the broken, all through this world, right? And, and I tell you what, I'm, a lot of times I'm resistant to those ideas of opposition. Like it takes a lot for me to understand of thinking, oh, there's an enemy. But in this text, again and again, there's this wind who's pushing against them, making them afraid. An opposing force. A friend here, Amanda, she's part of our team. And her discernment level is much higher than mine. Because she gets these senses of opposition and I hear it, and I'm a little skeptical at times, right? I'm like, oh, that feels circumstantial. I mean, right? I mean, the story, it's wind. I mean, it's circumstantial, right? It's the elements. But I don't know. There, there's an enemy, and all through the scriptures, even after the resurrection of Jesus, and here's Ephesians, right? Here's this final word in Ephesians from Paul. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. That's what we've been talking about, his presence. Put on all the arm, God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies. 
of the devil, the accuser, the tempter, right? All the strategies. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. All right, he could have just listed one of them, right? Just one of those ideas, and I would have been scared enough, right? But no, he's got to keep going. You know, I'm like, going, no, we don't just fight against these things of the unseen forces of the world. All right, I'm already crapping my pants a little bit. No, not flesh and blood, against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Do you think he's wanting us to minimize an idea of opposition? But we're rational human beings, right? And the whole idea of ghosts, all of a sudden we think it's stupid, right? And then, but all of a sudden, when you read these texts, it's like, man, is there utter opposition? When we want to step into reach for God is good, there is opposition. And for those of you who've been stepping in and praying for God's impossible, the impossible things, have you felt it? Have you seen it? Have you begun to experience this wind, this, this opposition, right? To whatever it is that you're sensing God to invite you into, that all of a sudden you're like, I'm trying to do something right, or, you know, whatever it is. And all of a sudden everything else starts to be go wrong. There is opposition. You have to know it. You have to know there's things out there that want you not to do it. I think we've got to be mindful of that. To think that this is just not, oh, everything's rosy. But there are opposing forces who want to stop us. And they want to hinder us. And they want to make us timid. And they want to, they want to stop people and cause them to do nothing. They, they want you not to participate. And so it's every one of those lies that pop into your head, well, I'm not good enough, or I don't know enough, or God wouldn't use me, or I'm not old enough, or wise enough, or I, whatever it is, right? Whatever it is that feels like these, this, these forces of opposition, these unseen spiritual forces that make us afraid. May we be quick to call out to Jesus and to arm ourselves, and we're going to be talking about this um, in this next year, about clothing ourselves with the power of God and the mighty armor of God. But this is something that's crucial for us. That's the fourth one. Uh, the third one, and, and then here's the, um, here's the fourth part that I think that we're going to reach. So that third one was there's opposition. Here's the fourth one, um, the crowd. And, and, uh, and as I was reading this text, I knew I had to include what immediately happened after this story. And here's the crowd. So Jesus gets to the other side, and the crowd hears that he's there. The people see it, and they run and get their people, and it says this. Man, just to touch the edge of Jesus' cloak. They begged to touch him. And just to touch the edge of the cloak, all who touched it were healed. The crowd is in desperate need from a touch. They're desperate to touch God, right? They're desperate to be touched by God. And these are things that remove our hearts and minds and souls. They are desperate for the thing that we've been created for. From the beginning of the world, a deep touch from God. And to touch God. Desperate for it. And Jesus, if he's a mark of what God is like, man, he doesn't hinder them at all. I don't know if he gives them permission or not, but I mean, people always are touching Jesus, but as they touched them, they experienced the power of his healing. 
And we need to know this. And I think this is just not for the world, we need this for ourselves. So we, which includes all of us in here and also everybody out there, we are all desperate to touch God and desperate for a touch from God. And so if we're going to be praying for the impossible, these are the things that we need to know as we step in. That one, we're dependent upon the Father. The two, that we have an invitation to reach. The third, that there is opposition and that we are desperate to touch God and desperate for a touch from God. That's our text. And so, as, as I was kind of going through this, I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to play with this. We have to believe that maybe God is wanting to do more, not because this is a church building here right now and today, but because we're gathered here and all these things are true. We're dependent upon the Father. Man, we're so dependent. Our Father, if anything, we're dependent upon you. And um, you've invited us to reach, to try, to risk, to step in. Um, and there's opposition. And right now, you know what the opposition is for me? It's 1122. Right? That's my opposition. It's 1122. And I want to be done at 1120. And everybody's like, well, you're going over. <laughs> right? So there's opposition. Spiritual forces have just made it 1122. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> We're going to get in it. And you know, but the thing, that's, the thing that grabbed me this morning when I was reading this text is that there's desperate people Right here, right now, desperate for a touch from God, right? You're desperate. You're like, oh, finally, somebody's mentioning why I'm here. You're desperate to, be, to touch God and for a touch from God. So, yeah, let's get a little weird. <laughs> You ready to dance, church? So this isn't about me, right? This is about us. And so let's step into this text, into these principles, and just see if there's just something a little different for us today as we're looking at this and trying to orient our hearts to God and say, all right, God, maybe there's always more of a greater invitation to reach. And so... Can we just try this morning? Even though it's 11.25 now. And so here's what I'm going to do with no like um, manipulation. I'll even keep my fake tears away. <laughs> if you're desperate for a touch from God, would you stand? <laughs>